0: yonder breaks a new and glorious morn.
1: Gospel reading this morning is a very familiar passage. It's from Luke, the first chapter, starting with verse twenty-six. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named David, a descendant named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, today I want to speak of an overlooked hero of the Christmas story. Now, you know, tonight at five, or 5 o'clock Christmas Eve candlelight service, there's going to be a lot of candles. We'll speak of the prophecies that came from God through the prophet Isaiah. And we'll speak of Mary and Joseph in a section from Matthew's Gospel. And we'll even mention the Emperor of Rome and the Governor of Syria, as well as shepherds and a brief mention of King David. But today, this morning, we'll speak of Gabriel, the angel who's been entrusted several times with the most critical messages to men and women on earth. The first mention of Gabriel in the Bible is in chapter 8 of the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. So let's let Daniel describe the situation as he wrote it down. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa in the province of Elam. In the vision, I was beside the Ulaya Canal. He's very specific. Daniel saw a vision of a ram and then a goat fighting. The horns of the beast grew and the sanctuary of the temple was surrendered to a foreign army and Daniel became aware that a person who looked like a man was standing near Daniel as Daniel watched the vision. And then a man's voice called from the Oliah Canal and said, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. Gabriel, who was standing near Daniel, came closer to him. Gabriel must have had a serious presence, for Daniel fell flat to the ground. Gabriel began to speak. Son of man, literally, Ben-Adam, or son of Adam. Son of man, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. Then Gabriel raised Daniel to his feet and interpreted the vision as a vision of the future as various kings that we later understood to be Alexander the Great and the generals that took over his empire fought over the Middle East. And then Gabriel left. Daniel, though, was exhausted, and he lay in bed for several days. You see, meeting an angel, I guess, can be very terrifying. A few years later, Darius became ruler of Babylon, and... Daniel, after reading Jeremiah's book of prophecy, understood that Jerusalem would be kept desolate and in ruins for 70 years. So Daniel prayed to God, apologized on behalf of the Jewish people for their sins, and asked God to not delay, but to help the Jews. And that evening, while Daniel was still praying, can you imagine praying from morning through afternoon and into the evening? So while Daniel was still praying, Gabriel came again to speak to Daniel. Gabriel said he'd come to give Daniel insight and understanding. He said, as soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I've come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Gabriel then explained that another 490 years, 77s must pass before the most holy place is anointed again in Jerusalem. Then Gabriel went into more detail. Now remember, Jerusalem had been destroyed and abandoned. said, from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one arrives will be 483 years. And after that, the anointed one will be put to death. Then the city and the temple sanctuary will be destroyed with a war. There was more said, and it's all written in the book of Daniel. Daniel had one more visit from an angel, once again, probably Gabriel, though Gabriel's not named this time. Daniel had been fasting and praying for three weeks. Daniel says On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning. His eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice was like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. And then this angelic man touched Daniel and lifted him up to his hands and knees and said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I've now been sent to you. And Daniel stood, and the man said, or the angel said, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days, and then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. And the angel explained to Daniel the future. All of these visits are written beginning in chapter 8 of the book of Daniel. And all of these events happened about 500 years before the coming of Christ. Now even earlier, 500 years earlier than that, about 1000 B.C., King David had ruled from Jerusalem over this great area, much bigger than today's Israel. It went from Sinai in the south up to the river Euphrates in the far north beyond Damascus, clear up into Syria. Lebanon sent tribute every year. The towns of Jordan sent tribute or were directly ruled by David. And so David wanted to build a house, a temple for God, sometime around 1000 B.C. Yet God sent the prophet Nathan to tell David that David did not need to build God a house. Instead, The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. It was a promise of eternal control of of Judea and Israel by King David and his descendants. And so it was left to David's son Solomon to build the temple. But then things went wrong. It appeared that the prophecy had gone wrong. A great civil war split the kingdom, and eventually the line of David, the house of David, no longer ruled Israel or Judea. Even the nobles of Judea were sent into exile into Babylon, and David, Daniel, Daniel was one of these young men that were taken away into exile into Babylon. Had God forgotten his promise, as Jerusalem was being destroyed. The Jewish people, though, they held on to their hope about the descendants of King David. That was one reason why the visits of Gabriel to Daniel were so important. It gave the Jewish people hope. Hope for the future that God had not forgotten them. It would just take some time. And around 5 BC, King Herod was king of Judea. Herod was not Jewish. He was not Jewish by birth. His father was from Edom, and his mother was Arab. But Herod was raised as a Jew. His father, you see, became a friend of Julius Caesar, who gave him control of all the local affairs of Judea. And when his father passed on in 41 B.C., Herod was appointed over Judea by Mark Anthony. And then a couple years later, he was confirmed as king of the Jews by the Roman Senate. Now, Herod, he began raising taxes. He raised the taxes quite a bit. And then he decided that he would renovate the temple. This is about 19 B.C. And so the tax burden grew even heavier as he began to work on the temple and spend all that money making the temple fancy. There was a guy named Zechariah. He was a Levite. He was a priest at the temple. Levite meant he was descended from the the man Levi, who was one of the sons of Jacob. His wife Elizabeth was also a Levite. They were both descendants of Aaron, the first high priest. They had a great line behind them, but they were childless, and they were very old, Luke tells us. Zechariah was chosen by Lot to burn the incense alone in the temple one day, as was the custom among the priests. Suddenly, in the temple, while he's alone, an angel appears to Zechariah there in the temple. The angel told him that he would have a son and name him John, and the boy would make ready a people prepared for the Lord. But Zechariah doubted. He needed confirmation. He didn't trust this angel. He said, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. As a priest, Zechariah should have known better. He should have remembered the story of Abraham and Sarah who were both past 90 when they had Isaac. The angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Gabriel was not happy that he was being doubted by this man. So Gabriel gave Zechariah his confirmation by taking away Zechariah's ability to speak. And so Zechariah was unable to speak until John was born. Elizabeth did become pregnant. And it all happened because Gabriel had returned after 500 years. Luke tells us that in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel once again to earth, to Nazareth, a tiny town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. That's the modernized version of Miriam, the name of Moses' sister. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I want you to notice the similarity between how Gabriel greeted Mary and how he had greeted Daniel five centuries earlier. To Daniel, he had said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, and to Mary, greetings, you who are highly favored. Luke tells us that Mary was greatly troubled by his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the, then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He'll be great. and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. God was filling Fulfilling his promise that he had made so many years earlier. Well, Mary said, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And Mary's question, it wasn't a doubt, but it was a wonder. You know, Zechariah had seriously doubted Gabriel's words and needed further confirmation. Zechariah wanted another source of proof. How can I be sure of this, Zechariah said, but Mary wasn't doubting. She was just wondering how this miracle could happen. She had accepted Gabriel as the source of God's prophecy, and she didn't need any further proof. She was simply curious, how can this be? Mary asked. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God And then he goes on and says, even Elizabeth, your relative's going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive, she's in her sixth month. And then he says those critical words, for no word from God will ever fail. Gabriel spoke truth. No word from God will ever fail. God always, always, always keeps his word. And Mary, full of faith and wisdom, she understood this. I am the Lord's servant, she said. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. You know, angels are a source of wonder for many people. They appear from time to time throughout Scripture. But unlike those little figurines that we find at the Hallmark store, those beautiful young women with wings, the angel or angels seen by Daniel... They weren't delicate little beings. In fact, throughout the Bible, most people who encounter an angel fall quickly to the ground in fear. And the angel has to say, Fear not, or don't be afraid, or something similar. Furthermore, we don't become angels when we die, despite the popular Hollywood idea that's expressed in It's a Wonderful Life and Touched by an Angel. No, our future is more than that. For a good way to think of angels is that they are the immortal house servants of God, but Scripture tells us that we are the sons and daughters of God. Just like in one of those old wealthy households, today the angels watch over us, but one day when we are fully mature, we will inherit from God as sons and daughters of the household of God. Don't underestimate, though, the power of angels. In one episode in the book of Second Kings, chapter 19, it's recorded that Jerusalem was surrounded by an army of Assyria. Hundreds of thousands of men surrounded them. The faithful king Hezekiah of Jerusalem prayed for God for the deliverance of the city. And the prophet Isaiah heard from God and sent a message back to the king that God had replied and God had said, I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David my servant. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies all lying around. And so Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, who was known for wanting to do battle until the blood ran up to to his feet, when he was on horseback, Sennachera broke camp, and he withdrew, and he went back to Nineveh and stayed there. The night of Jesus' arrest, Jesus points out to his disciples in Matthew 26, Do you think I cannot call on my Father, and he will once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Folks, that's 70,000 angels, more or less. One angel destroyed an army in a, in a single night. Think about what 70,000 angels could do. Think about the power that is available to the Son of God whenever you despair the evil will triumph in this world. The power that God has is overwhelming. For victory, you see, doesn't go to the man with the largest number of soldiers or the best of man's technology. But the victory always serves God's purposes. Abraham Lincoln said when he was asked if God was on the side of the union, sir, my concern is not whether God's on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. For God is always right. Our first concern is not what will God do for us, but to determine what God's will is and then strive to be in the middle of God's will, doing what God wants. And don't pray to angels. John began to worship an angel once in Revelation and the angel chewed him out saying, don't do that, I'm also a servant of God. But understand that nothing is too big for God to handle we need to be sure and certain that we are doing God's will. For it's the height of arrogance to assume that God can be persuaded or manipulated into doing our will. And so, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, as that time approaches, let me suggest that you take some time this afternoon to consider this. When you pray, are your prayers... An attempt to persuade or manipulate or bribe God to help you? Or are your prayers a deep attempt to understand what God wants you to do? Gabriel, as a good servant of God, delivered the messages that God had asked him to deliver to Daniel. And to Zechariah and to Mary, Daniel had already proven that he was completely devoted to God. So Daniel listened carefully to Gabriel and wrote down what the angel said that millions of people might have hope. Zechariah, he needed additional confirmation of what Gabriel had said, and so he was unable to speak for nine months. Zechariah, you see, lacked a certain amount of faith in God's messenger. But Mary listened to Gabriel. We don't know much of anything about Mary's life before Gabriel visited. She was only 14 or 15 years old, but she could tell that this messenger was sent by God. She must have had a deep knowledge and faith in God and understood that God would never harm her. She may have had many plans for her life, which changed that day. But She had a deep enough faith in God to say after hearing what the plan was, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now may you pray to God to send you guidance every day and listen to it. May you hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. And may you have that deep faith to say as Mary did, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled.